Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Good morning. With the advent of artificial intelligence, healthcare is getting a major overhaul that is changing how we approach medical care. It is revolutionizing healthcare in once unimaginable ways, from drug development to telehealth. AI is transforming the healthcare industry and improving the patient experience. Clinical clinical grade AI is now being used to fill data gaps, giving clinicians easy access to accurate and complete patient information and reducing the risk of adverse drug events and readmissions. Population health initiatives are crucial for health systems and for delivering clinically relevant information that makes it easy for healthcare providers to identify patients who may need help to stay on track with their medication therapy. Early intervention with these patients dramatically reduces overall use of healthcare resources and prevents the negative outcomes and costly penalties associated with hospital readmissions. Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm today's host, Michael Kotmer, Director of Data Exchange and IT Business Operations with WPS Health Solutions. I am also a board member for Weedy the preeminent National Membership Association for Health IT Guidance and Collaboration. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce costs. To learn more about Weedy member benefits and educational offerings, please visit our website, wedi.org. Today, we welcome Dr. Colin Bannis, Chief Medical Officer with Dr. First, to discuss clinical grade AI and how it has and will improve the patient experience while decreasing administrative burden. Dr. Bannis is the formal internal medicine hospitalist and former chief medical information officer for VCU Health Systems in Richmond, Virginia, and is former health IT fellow for the Office of the National Coordinator. His interests center on the role of big data and analytics on patient outcomes and on novel forms of clinical decision support those that are outside of the realm of traditional rules and alerts, including real-time dashboarding and intuitive usability designs. In 2017, Dr. Bannis received the HIMSS AMDIS Award for Physician Executive of the Year from his peers. Dr. Bannis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, some, sometimes it's a struggle. I got to slow myself down, but, uh, yeah, uh, very, very impressive. You have a very impressive resume, but you know, let's, we talked a little bit. Um, I did see that, uh, you came from, uh, my neck of the woods. I spent a good time out in, uh, Southeastern uh, Virginia out there in the Tidewater area, but, uh, let's go further back and, and discuss your healthcare origin story. And, and what were those early motivations, inspirations, and aspirations that, uh, uh, brought you into the world of healthcare. Oh wow! Yeah, the I, the origin story is is probably not too too unique. Uh, I guess a little twist. Both my parents are veterinarians, uh, believe it or not. So my father was a small animal vet who recently retired. Uh, my mom is a veterinary pathologist and toxicologist. So uh, there's a lot of nerd power uh, coming out of my family, and in fact. My sister is also um, a pediatrician, so there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of science, lots of medicine flowing through the blood. It seems, uh, you know. I guess being surrounded by it, it's kind of hard not to pick it up, pick up the vibe. Um, was definitely very interested in math and science. Found myself pretty good at it, and then um, 
you know, it's uh, a little bit of association, right? Who you hang out with when you get to undergrad, uh, you know, you're around a lot of other fellow science nerds and and they're pre-med or they're interested in medicine and you say, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And, and next thing you know, you're, you're sort of off and running. Um, you know, uh, fr- from the you know 10,000 foot view, it's challenging. It's a fun challenge. Um, you never stop learning. You never stop, uh, you know, reading and and uh, discovering new things about it. So, and, and there's um, one of the benefits I have in my career is that with a background in medicine, you can do a lot of things. And I've done a lot of those things from patient care to administration to health IT. And, you know, now we're talking about, you know, artificial intelligence. So um, it's really a great launching pad for, for many, many things in this world. Yeah, it uh, it sounds like you're defining the art of the possible as uh, as you transition through uh, through the community. So, um, you're currently the CMO at Doctor First, a healthcare technology pioneer with award winning solutions for telehealth, care calibration, electronic prior authorization, and medication management. Tell me a little bit about the work you are developing at Doctor First. Yeah, so to to know where Doctor First is today, you have to know where again another origin story. So. Uh, Dr. First actually started almost 24 years ago now, uh, was the first uh, uh, filed company in the year 2000, in the, in the year new, the new millennium. Uh, it was an e-prescribing company. So if you go back two decades ago, before e-prescribing was uh, ubiquitous, before meaningful use and the advent of electronic medical records and um, you know the digital health record that, is, that we now see, uh, they were really leading the way in something that we take for granted now, which is e-prescribing, you know, taking paper and turning it into, uh, you know, ones and zeros and doing it safer, doing it more efficient. But from there, as you can imagine, over the course of two decades in the uh, e-prescribing medication management space, space, you start to make a lot of relationships with um, pharmacies, with software vendors, with payers, with, um, you know, pharmacy benefit managers. And so, there's a lot of skills that uh, develop from there, and so we we branched out into multiple solutions, as you rattled off there a second ago. Um, a lot of the what we do and a lot of my passion centers around medication safety, uh, whether that's medication reconciliation, um, transitions of care and care collaboration, uh, as we'll get into in a second, the role of AI in some of these things. And so um, what started as a very finite focus has expanded, but the but the overarching goal of the company, the the vision statement, is around intelligent medication management. How do we get patients on and keep them on therapy, and how do we uh, make that um, a joyous experience for for everyone involved in the prescription or medication management process? Well, uh, you branched out to many many different facets. I, I love it. Um, and uh, so, so tell me more. Uh, we've 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 often discussed AI on uh, a number of our episodes. Uh, is, that's the you know that's the the buzzword um, within the community. It, but oftentimes, in general terms, I, I would like to take a step back and address some of the terminology. Could you offer listeners a definition of clinical grade AI and how it might differ from other types of AI technology? Yeah, this is tough. Um, and, you know, I, I, I agree with your sentiment. You know, the juice, the buzz around AI is almost worn off. It's almost, uh, you know, people have become numb to it. 
Um, one of my uh, one of the things I like to talk about is I, I really hate the term artificial intelligence. I'd much rather say augmented intelligence because we're seeing that these particular sets of tools are not really meant to replace clinicians, but really augment their workflow, allow them to work at top of license. But when you start to get into the definitions of AI, um, it depends on who you read. It depends on who you subscribe to. Um, I think my favorite way to do this is to talk about um, broad versus narrow focus AI. So right now, um, when you think of uh, LLM and the chat GPTs um, and generative AI, that's what most of us would consider a broad focus. That is a brand new tool set within the last year, relatively new, that has uh, almost, almost endless opportunities or, or um Use cases um, when we when we think about what you could actually do with the uh, Chat GPT tools. Narrow focus is is what Dr. First has been focused on for the past year, and that is what can we what singular focus or what singular problem can we apply technology and uh, machine learning to to iterate and improve over time and get so good at that one thing that we become the industry leader. And so for us, um, that narrow focus is around um, medication data, medication safety, medication data, and its role in things like medication reconciliation. Um, when, we, when I start to go further down and say, okay, well, what makes something clinical grade? To me, what I tell the team, and, and you know, clinical grade AI is not something that, that Dr. First uh, invented, but it is something that we're trying to attach onto and promote because we do have a 10-year history of doing this in uh, real-world healthcare scenarios. But to me, clinical-grade AI is kind of like the stamp that you that you see when you go to buy, you know, a steak. You know, what, what level of assuredness do you have regarding the quality of this particular product as it relates to what you're trying to do? And so I often talk about the pillars of clinical-grade AI. The most important to me is that, that that AI is trained on clinical data, real-world clinical data. So this is not just scouring the, the entirety of the internet um, and, and producing results uh, to questions. This is actually uh, a honed data set that was created specifically for this use case that we're talking, this narrow use case. The, uh, uh, another pillar is that it is clinically overseen and clinically maintained. So at Dr. First, our AI is, uh, you know, at this point, we're processing over 26 million transactions per day as it relates to medication data. But, you know, on a daily basis, we're also looking at the uh, transactions. We're looking at the new medications that are being introduced into the field. We're looking at the new sets of uh, instructions and data, and then we're retraining the model. So it's constantly iterating, it's constantly improving. There's other things that uh, are absolutely necessary, I'm sure have been talked about on the show before. Um, the security, so we're dealing with healthcare data. How, how do we make sure that the AI is doing this in a safe and secure fashion? Uh, and so that's really what we're trying to, to get at when we, when we were trying to set ourselves up as a as a differentiator in this particular market, because it's it's becoming very crowded. It's becoming, um, as I as I started with, people are numb to it. Everyone is claiming AI at this point, and so how can you differentiate yourself in healthcare uses? Well, you can show that you've been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it with real clinical data, with real 
clinical results with real clinical oversight. Uh, and so I, it's not to say that Dr. First is the only uh, company doing clinical grade AI, far from it. But there is something very important about understanding the solution that you're getting from a company like Dr. First versus going out to chat GPT and trying to plug in a, a bunch of questions and getting clinical answers. So it's pretty long winded, but hopefully that got at the core of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and then kind of leading into that, I mean, how do you see that uh, clinical grade AI? How do you see cl clinical grade AI improving efficiency and the patient experience as it relates to healthier? Yeah, I mean, th this is the exciting part. This is the because it is happening um, just with the narrow focused AI that, that Dr. First is working on in the medication management space. We are we are, have been shown to make things like medication reconciliation, you know, upwards of fifty percent more uh, more efficient. Uh, we're seeing things like twenty five percent reductions in serious safety events, medication errors that are reaching the patients, and this is all because we're we're taking something that's uh, integral to every healthcare visit, which is you present to me, I need to know what medications you're on. I need to know them and I need to make decisions about which ones to change, which ones to stop and which ones to, you know, start uh, brand new. And when you don't have that data or when you don't have that data in a usable format, in a facile format, this is where mistakes happen. I forget to put in your blood thinner or I get the dosage of your blood thinner wrong and now you're admitted to the hospital. You know, it, it, uh, in my former role as CMIO, this happened constantly. Um and so how can we put a co-pilot, how can I put something at your shoulder to help you do these things so that it doesn't slip through the Swiss cheese, so that people don't get hurt? So um, it's an exciting time because uh, there are lots of applications that are already live or are coming that are um, meant to let people operate at top of license and to automate the mundane or to check on the um critical, uh, important to make sure that, again, things don't slip through the proverbial Swiss cheese. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that that resonated with me. You know, I, I see it as as two parts, right? If I'm understanding correctly, one, you've got kind of like a QA, like, okay, I'm prescribing this medication for this for this ailment, right? And, and even down to the dosage level, and then also across uh, other uh, medications that that patient is already on, like a reaction, what whatnot, if, if, if I understand that right. I think that's great. Yep. It's, it's um, medication reconciliation has been around for over 20 years now, and we're still not getting it right. Uh, it's still highly complex. It is actually the, the perfect problem that uh, lends itself to the application of health IT and now augmented intelligence. Absolutely, I think a lot of dependence with with humans to be that QA step, and and humans are are not infallible by any stretch, right? So yeah, you actually uh, bring up a really good point in that our AI and a lot of uh, and and actually what you've seen currently in the industry for for AI is that we're not going to commit anything to the record or the database without a human seeing it first. So it's again, it's it's a nod to that notion of a co-pilot. I'm going to serve this up to you. I'm going to make suggestions. I'm going to call things out as the AI. But none of this is getting committed. None of this is getting acted on in the absence of human oversight. And I think that's um, crucial not only for safety, but also for um, gaining the trust of not only the clinicians, but the patients as well. 
It's spot on and, and a perfect segue into our next question is, as the industry is grabbing onto AI with uh, with with both both arms, as it seems, it is somewhat shocking since healthcare traditionally has been hesitant to adopt emerging technology, and there's no technology that's uh, that's been emerging at the the pace that uh, that AI has. Yeah, so this is the fun part, um, and I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with the Gartner hype cycle, and you know where are we right now with. With AI, are we at the peak of uh, inflated expectations or, or, or whatnot? But I'll tell you my theory on why clinicians are flocking to it or at least open to it. They're burned out, right? You, can, you can't really turn around without seeing some article about burnout or um, mass exodus across multiple roles in healthcare, nurses, social workers, pharmacists, doctors. It's it's not unique to any. It's, uh, you know, COVID really did a double whammy on a lot of folks. And, you know, folks are being asked to do more with less. And a lot of them are saying, you know, forget it, I'll go do something else. Um, and that's not a, that's not something we can afford. And so how can we look to, uh, how can technology help us with this? How can technology become a force multiplier? Or um, I'm sure everyone's heard the acronym of uh, gross or getting rid of stupid stuff. How can AI get rid of the stupid stuff in my job to let me do what I was passionate about, which is taking care of the patient? So a lot of what you're seeing is automation around documentation. So documentation is a huge part of burnout uh, in the electronic medical record. Um, and now you're seeing ambient listening paired with uh, augmented intelligence to help me create the note or at least the, the outline of the note that I can clean up and, and commit to the database. Um, you're seeing automated responses uh, for things like the in-basket. Um, there's a couple of folks that are piloting that right now. Um, what happened during COVID? People were forced to do telehealth. People were forced to adopt the patient portal. They liked it. So now they're using it a lot. Now they're messaging their doctors and their team a lot. And guess what? That's bleeding into something that, you know, shouldn't, we shouldn't have a term for this, but we do, which is called pajama time which is where the doctors are at home and instead of tucking their kids in, they're in the electronic record. So how can AI take the first swipe at responding to these things and then let the uh, clinician clean it up or accept it and send it? In fact, there's actually been some pretty interesting studies that shows that AI uh, can be interpreted as more compassionate than a, a, a clinician response. They actually did this about a year ago using Reddit, uh, which is really fascinating. But if you th if you step back, it actually makes sense, right? AI doesn't get tired. AI isn't at ten o'clock at night writing terse responses to to uh, you know uh, seemingly stupid questions. AI is very compassionate. It's going to write you a very flowery response, um, and the patient's going to uh, uh, potentially appreciate that. What I will say is, all of this uh, needs to come with uh, a stamp of transparency. I think. A lot of the leaders in uh, this space are being upfront and telling their patients and their clinicians, this was generated with AI and then reviewed by your doctor. Um, your doctor was, um, you know, there was a co-pilot involved in this particular, um, you know, medical decision, medical transaction. So, uh, I, you know, to back to your original question, why, why is it potentially being adopted so quickly? Uh, one, I, you know, maybe healthcare is finally catching up. Right. Uh, 
where you usually say healthcare lags like a good one to two decades behind other other industry, whether that's aviation, banking, et cetera, shopping. Uh, it, and you it, you can't it can't it can't afford to anymore. And so um, I think uh, I think enough folks have finally sort of seen the light. And pair that with the uh, burnout, you know, pandemic, if you will. I think it's inevitable that we're looking for unique sol uh, solutions to a lot of these problems. Yeah, those are those are great benefits. It's 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 exciting. I mean, things that uh, honestly I haven't uh, thought much about, but uh, but you know, make sense as I even as I live in my own world, where where you know I'm I'm greeting my staff remotely and you know i don't even bother with a you know i catch myself and i don't even bother with a, a daily greeting right i'm like hey get me this and, and well this is my first interaction why where where are my manners right so yeah. uh it's it's great to hear that some of that is being in, even integrated into the uh the ai response with with patients um besides that um and and some of those benefits are there any other challenges and concerns that uh that you and your team at doctor first are looking into I mean, we're we're always looking for what's the what's another application of of uh, augmented intelligence that we can apply specifically to the medication management space. And so a lot of a lot of that is around patient engagement. How can we use AI to make sure that the engagement that we have with the patient is tailored to them, specific to them, engineered to get the the most appropriate response? But from an industry perspective, you know, a lot of the challenges. Uh, one, I think one of the challenges is, is this sucker got out of the bag real fast and there's a little bit of a sense from regulatory that, hey, we need to get in front of this to make sure that this doesn't get, you know, become a runaway train. Like, how are we going to make sure that the things that are getting applied at the clinical level are actually appropriate? And a lot of that ties back to things that I'm sure a lot of us have heard around, um, equity, right? How is the model trained? Is that model uh, specific to my population or is it is my population so far different that I actually have no business even trying this model as it relates to sepsis or, you know, cardiovascular disease? And, and that goes back, you know, one step further to transparency. How can we, how can the AI uh, vendors or partners be transparent in how their solution is arriving at that particular suggestion or that um, uh, answer without giving away the secret sauce. Uh, and so th those are challenges, right? Uh, we need to make sure that we're doing this safely so there's regulatory concerns. We need to make sure that it's appropriate so those are those equity and transparency concerns. Um, and we need to do this, you know, all the while, while a lot of this is already in flight, right? This is, this is changing the, uh, the potentially the engine and the airplane that's already in flight. As, as we wrap everything up, I wanted to ask what use cases are out there that haven't yet been touched by AI that you see as possibly the next big thing? You know, I, the... You, you talked about some of them, the the pharmaceutical manufacturing or or drug uh, creation. I think that's actually really fascinating. It's a little bit over my head. Um, what I would say, and, and some of this has been tried, it's just not been successful. So um, sepsis is a big one. Uh, you and you actually saw uh, some sepsis models uh, within the last couple of years that were actually shown to be no better than flipping a coin. Uh, that were had been implemented into major electronic medical records um, that had to be turned off. Uh, you've seen 
things like Watson that was, you know, going to cure cancer more or less uh, through the power of AI and big data that essentially kind of folded, might be having a resurgence, but um, the real data was in the, uh, the real value was in the data that they were able to, to sell. What I would say is right now we're in the infancy of, of the, the automated or the augmented intelligence and in that we're looking to automate routine things, uh, getting rid of the stupid stuff, you know, the responses, the filling in the gaps, the how help me generate a letter to the prior authorization folks, uh, et cetera. The next step is around diagnostics and treatment, right? And that really is putting the, that co-pilot at my shoulder that's constantly scanning the chart and saying, hey, I see you're, you're treating for uh, congestive heart failure. Did you consider, you know, pulmonary embolus? Because these three things might suggest it, and these are the things that you could do to, um, you know, hone in on that. And some of that is occurring. Don't get me wrong. People are going to say, well, that's been around. Yes, some of it has been around, but it's going to get wildly better. Uh, I have colleagues in the space who are going to who have said to me, and I tend to believe them, in five years, we're going to ask ourselves how we ever practice medicine without this. Um, and so that's what I'm excited for, diagnostics and treatment. But in the meantime, I will take all the wins we can get around automation and getting rid of the stupid stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, I'd like to once again thank Dr. Colin Bannis with Dr. First for being on the podcast. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find all of our episodes as well as information on our association on our website, wedi.org. Thank you for joining us. Happy holidays and stay safe.